Hey, dude, this dog like stinks, man. Okay, groomer, do something about it, man. you pet stylists, you found the Groom Pod. Welcome to our virtual salon. My name is Susie and I'm your host. I'm a mobile groomer from Seattle, Washington, and anyone who knows me will tell you I love to talk, especially about my job. One of my favorite people to talk to is my friend and mentor and co-star of the show, Miss Barbara Bird. Hey, Susie, we haven't been here for a couple of weeks. I bet we have a lot to talk about today. I bet we do too. You look fabulous this morning. Welcome to episode 363 of the Groom Pod, recorded on February 12th, 2022. No, 2023. That's the first time I've missed that one. Uh, in Snohomish, Washington, and Tucson, Arizona. This podcast is brought to you by our kind sponsors Best Shot Show Season, Evolution Cheers, Stazco, and Groomore. And this week, we're going to answer some of the Facebook questions that have been kind of hanging out there and talk some Clipper Burn and Nicks. What's New is brought to you by Groomore Software. If you haven't found Groomore, you're missing out. Groomore is an all-in-one software solution for your grooming business. Whether you are a solo mobile groomer or manage several shops, Groomore has everything you need. 24-hour online booking and forms, routing, credit card processing, reminders, Google Calendar and QuickBooks integration, and so much more. And the best customer service anywhere. Shop mobile or house call, Groomore has you covered. And they're giving us a free month. Just enter GroomPod22 in the coupon code. Barbara, I know you can't see it from where you're sitting, but this is the new and improved grooming trailer. I did like a whole makeover thing happening with the trailer. It's so exciting. Let me tell you all about it. In the last time I had frame issues with my trailer. By the way, guys, my trailer is from 2006. It was custom built for me by another groomer's husband who built a handful of them and then decided it was just too much of a hassle to produce these grooming trailers. But it's a decent grooming trailer. However, it is on... A cargo trailer frame, a little 8 by 10 not even a big cargo trailer, not, not two axles, just one axle, little cargo trailer with tiny frame. And over the years, I've broken it several times. I pulled the tongue off twice. I've hit myself in the back end. <laughs> I've done some damage to this tiny little frame. And in reality, it's a $3,500 cargo trailer in 2006 terms. It was never meant to be driven every single day with a bunch of water sloshing around inside and uh, all this equipment and stuff. So the guy who did the last repair, he offered a suggestion that we rebuild the whole frame. So I had made an appointment to do that and move some appointments around. It was going to be three days worth of work and they would have it done. And I was grooming as usual coming up to that moment. And I had done my first appointment of the morning and I had driven to the second appointment and I opened the door to my trailer and my table had pulled out of the floor and it was over on its side all and blocked me from getting into the trailer and everything. Oh and no. I, <laughs> so you had pulled up to an appointment, opened your door and discovered this? Oh my God. Oh yeah. It was a, uh, and 
no way to actually set it back up because it was completely ripped out the hydraulics. Now, this was a 1998 Hand V table, and it is a 36 inch tabletop because I didn't want a big tabletop. I never liked chasing the dogs around. I split my tabletop even with the 36 inch tabletop. But when they built my trailer, they built it around that table because I had that table with me at the vet hospital. Well, it turns out that they don't really make 36 inch tables anymore. Not at all. They don't make them. They're like 40, 46, 48. But my trailer was custom built for the 36 inch table. So I really only could put a 36 inch table back in there. And I worked with a folding table because they're 36 inches in the spot. But the truth was the tabletop didn't get damaged. It was the hydraulics and everything underneath it. So I started to think that perhaps I could do what you did and put a tabletop onto an existing scissor lift. Now my original table only raised and lowered about seven inches total. So I had a lot of space underneath for storing things like my garbage can, my clipper vac. Well, when I started to look at tables, they don't make pedestal tables anymore at all. And for a good reason, because the dogs would get up there and they would shake on the table. Yeah, they can do it like this. <laughs> I would have to yeah. lean against it with my belly to hold it for the big dogs. Like your washing machine spinning when it goes out of whack. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. And the dogs got used to it. All of my dogs were used to it, but it's not fun. It wasn't a good way. Plus, it was a taller table, so my lips would hit the ceiling of the van or the trailer, the trailer. <laughs> so, so I only had three quarters of my lips. I didn't have one insert in there at all. So I had a short lips. I had a table that rocked. I knew I was going to have to replace it, but I didn't want to do it like in an urgent thing. Now, the people who built my trailer actually built, had built-in cabinets where they used to groom, at, but yeah. you can't put your knees underneath it. It's really awkward. So I did finish the day out with the grooming table blocking my door and I had to climb over it to get to my scissors and then back over it to groom the dog and then back over it to turn my water heater on and then back over to groom the dog. It was crazy day. But I made it home, started my research and I found on Amazon a table base. Well, the, the big problem was I found like these table bases that are the scissor lift tables like you have that go all the way down to the ground and then all the way up into the air. But they all have uh, wheels attached to them and some of them even have a handle and a cart attached that well they won't fit in my 36 inch spot with my 36 inch tabletop so that was out the door and I thought maybe I could use Curtis's the hand v big boy but it also has hydraulics on the end and both of my ends are blocked off I can only have hydraulics on the side so that was out the door as well so I went on Amazon and I searched weirdly worded lifts and I found a, a table base that is meant for a dining room table. So if you want your dining room table to hide in the floor and then to pop up to eat on, that's what this is for. It's got a 200 weight range, 200 pounds. It's electric and it goes up and down like a champ. $279. So we bought it. My husband wow. strapped it on and we were able to get it into the grooming trailer. I, it doesn't go as high as the other table, but I sit anyway all the time, pretty much. I mean, I, I stand when I bathe. I sit when I groom. So it really doesn't affect me that it doesn't go up through the roof. Plus, I can have the big lips up there and I can do big dogs. And more importantly, it goes down to about seven inches. So I no longer have to lift 
my big dogs. I have a pathway for them to get to the tub right off the end of my table. Huge, huge upgrade for me. I am living the good life. I put two dogs up there. It raises so smoothly. The dogs didn't even notice they were going up. I thought they might panic. This one of these dogs is blind. Nope, he went up like a champ. They, oh God, it's so cool. How have I lived so long without this innovation of getting your table all the way down to the ground? I don't know. I don't know. I know, I know. My um, my table, my new table, goes down to the ground, and my first electric table goes to like twenty inches. Things have changed, haven't they? It's um, yeah. I I have I kind of like. I don't love my rebuilt table as well as I loved my original Hanvey big boy on wheels. This table is lighter, but likewise, it can be thrown over by a rambunctious Labrador in the limp system, you know? Yep, definitely. (laughs) We're bolted to the ground, so I'm good on that. Yeah, you're lucky with that. Well, you see, I have to be able to wheel over to the tub and then get the dogs in the tub at the tub and then wheel back. We don't we don't normally leave the dog on the table while we're wheeling, but sometimes when it's a dog that I know real well and is really used to it, we give them a ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, my already teeny tiny 8x10 trailer has now been complicated by my Clipper Vac tote no longer fits under the table. My hamper Uh no longer fits under the table and my garbage can no longer fits under the table. So when I get to my stop, I have to set my garbage can and my hamper in the doorway, which there's still a little bit of room to walk through if there were an emergency. I just have to kick everything out the door to make sure I could get out. I've lost a lot of floor space and my very, very expensive tough guy anti-fatigue mat covers half of my heater, so I'm going to have to cut it. Oh, ick. It's horrible. I can't see any way around it. I tried to fold it a different way. I thought about replacing it, but really, what am I going to do with the one then? I mean, it's it's a really good anti-fatigue mat, so just going to cut the corner out so that I can have the heater on when I need it, and it's not all curled up so that I trip over it every time coming in. Massive upgrade, though. I can't believe it. And... With the whole new trailer frame that they built, they took the top of my trailer completely off in it in its entirety, set it aside the shell. on yeah, yeah, set it aside on two sawhorses, rebuilt my frame of my trailer with big, huge, much larger frame pipes. I am pipes. so glad for that. I am so relieved. I was starting to really worry about you on that old frame. Oh, this guy's such a good welder. It's so fantastic. Uh, And he moved my axle underneath my water tank much farther, like eight inches back farther on the trailer. And now I had no idea how badly it was towing. It tows spectacularly. I'm stunned at how long I went without the trailer towing. So I got a new table virtually. I got a new trailer and I got a new bathing beauty randomly showed up at my door like Barbara's door. So I just want to very publicly say thank you, Curtis, for my new bathing beauty. And I've noticed some interesting differences, Barbara, between 
my hydro surges and the bathing beauty. And one of the big ones is I need more water with the bathing beauty than I needed with my hydro surge. Oh, you do? Yeah, I have to get almost twice as tall up for the bathing beauty because it comes in from the side, whereas my hydro surge water intake was the bottom. So it it need the side needs to be in the water. If the side isn't in the water, it just goes and no water comes out. So that was a little bit of a learning lesson. It probably doesn't seem like that much space, but it's a little bit of space. I, I had to figure it out because it wasn't sucking. When I filled it up to the normal yeah. spot, it wasn't sucking. So I got to cover those openings on the side. Not a big deal because, and here's that for Kathleen Townsend who asked this question. I always park slightly down on my drain side. I only have a drain. She has two drains in her bathtub and it's driving her a little crazy when she's working. I only have one drain and it's in one corner of the back end of my trailer. So if I have to, I will park in an odd spot just so that I have a little bit of a well where my bathing beauty sits. When I had the trailer constructed, I asked them to build a well like some of the really nice bathtubs have, but they didn't do it. But they did rake it a little bit towards the drain. And I have a huge opening for my drain. So I don't get clogs of hair. I leave clogs of hair on the driveway. So I try to collect them up because it's not very nice to leave somebody else's D-shed on the next house's lawn. <laughs> so, so I do have to be a little bit careful. I am amazed that I don't have worse plumbing problems because <laughs> I go in there in the evening sometimes after everybody's gone and I fuss around and I do this and that and I check I clean my blades and I you know I do all those little things but I check the tub every time I'm in there in the late afternoon early evening and I'm amazed at how many times I have to pull hair out of the drain because the last person to bathe they clean the bathing beauty they put it away. We're now putting the bathing beauty in a big tub so that it, it is uh, like enclosed over the night. And then they just leave hair in the damn drain. What the heck? And talking about drain plugs, I have a heck of a time finding good drain, a good drain plug that really stops a stopper that stops. Right. Because they tend to get frayed around the edges and they tend to get kind of worn and, and we don't realize it. You know, in a pinch, people, you can take uh, any, just a small amount of fabric, like a microfiber towel, and just stick a corner of it down in your drain until you've stopped up the drain. It works great. So Kathleen has the basket drain where if you yeah. turn it one way, it fits in the slot. And if you turn it the other way, it stays on top. But I find the problem with those is because of the Coriolis effect where the water spins when it goes down the drain. It just turns it so that it then falls in the locked spot. It is so frustrating. There are other options out there. What I would do, Kathleen, is go on Amazon and look up every possible kind of drain. Sometimes it means replacing the end that is in the permanent plumbing part to get one that works. My drain is pretty open. There's just a crossbar on the bottom of it. You know, and then it goes into a big pipe that ultimately we have that goes right into the floor behind the toilet. Where you're collecting lots of hair, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
I don't know. We haven't had a, a problem lately. Good. But swimming is just like not my forte. And um, I just buy tons of drain plugs. And some of them work and some of them don't. It's really hard to measure exactly and to go to the hardware store and get something that's exactly that, you know. Definitely. Uh, well, I'll put up but, a picture of my old hydro surge and my drain plug and my drain when I go out there later today. It's a unique situation. Yvonne brought in a drain plug that we really liked, and it was like chrome on the part, and then it was black rubber around the edge. Yeah. And I'm, I would love to find another one of those. So if, if you have a, a drain plug that matches that description and you know where you bought it, post it on our Facebook group. So talking about bathing beauties and bathtubs, do you know of any hacks that you can use when you can't well up enough water in the corner? One of the ones that I've used in the past is having a Rubbermaid bin that I can fill with water, put the pump in, and then pump out the solution that way to cover the dog. That's the only thing I could come up with. Can you think of any other way to make it work? If she can't get uh, gather yeah, enough, yeah. You see, I have a I have a regular human bathtub that's in a wooden frame, raised in a wooden frame and slightly tilted, so that it's not a flat bottom, but it's not so so extreme angle that the dogs are uncomfortable. It's just slightly tilted, so it pulls in the bottom by the plug, and and we reversed it. So the plug, instead of being in the plumbing end, it's in the other end of the tub. And I swear to God, I love that tub. <laughs> Brings up an interesting point because maybe she could lift one side of the tub. Yeah, maybe you could go into your plumbing side of the tub and put something under the, you know, sometimes people just use PVC pipe that's just a little bit different than just a little bit tighter uh, yeah just tight. a little bit tighter yeah but you can put your uh <laughs> i thought we were going to get a song there for a minute <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit bert macarack died and i'm not too sad <laughs> <laughs> i remember him when i was little with my dad I had know. one of his uh eight tracks in our 67 uh thunderbird I can't do eight tracks of Burt Bacharach. I can do an occasional one like every 10 tracks of Burt Bacharach's song. But if I had to listen to Burt Bacharach's songs uh, like on the road, I think I would jump out of the car. My dad liked that easy listening. <laughs> <laughs> it was that and those melodies would stick in your mind. But that doesn't necessarily uh, make you want to listen to it all the time. Not a lot of repeatability. What happened to you this week? Anything you want to tell us before we uh, take a break? I had a couple of good things happen to me. I had a visit from one of our listeners. Oh, I love that. I had a fangirl visit. So this was just really fun. Our fan's name is uh, Alex L. And she came from uh, Minneapolis. And she has grandparents here, plus she wanted to visit the gem show. We have this, you know, international, terrific, world-class gem and mineral show that happens in early February every year. And it draws millions of people here. Traffic is just horrendous. Don't go to your favorite restaurant 
during gem and mineral show weeks because you can't get served. But it's exciting to have visitors. And so she texted me, she messaged me and said, I'm coming to Tucson, can we meet up? And I said, sure, come by the shop and we'll visit. And she did. How nice. She is a terrific person. I did, We just really hit it off. And I asked her how she found us. And she said uh, she was working alone and looking for a podcast from like spirits. And that was us. Excellent. Fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> I totally dig that. It was cool. And she like, totally likes our approach. She totally likes that. We're old timers with new ideas and that we're open and that we're learning and we're teaching. And uh, she takes our words seriously and she's a serious learner and she's just a terrific person to know she's out there grooming and one of us. Cool. It was wonderful. So I had another thing that happened. Yeah. I worked alone on, on Friday. I thought I was going to have just one dog. And then I ended up with more. And and then Yvonne couldn't come in. And so I worked. I did three dogs by myself. Big deal, right? It was an afternoon. I started at noon. My 10 o'clock dog, which is my little $100 Yorkie. I have a Yorkie named Annie. And that woman pays me $100 plus 40 or sometimes a $100 bill and a $50 bill to groom her little five-pound Yorkie. <laughs> and it's not in full coat. It's like a seven blade on the body and then scissors the legs down short and a cute face that I've crafted for her. And she just is so generous. Well, the dog apparently had a little upset bowels and she didn't want to bring it in. I happily offered to come in on my day off Tuesday and groom her dog and she's taking me up on it. So that was great. And I groomed three dogs, Susie and I brought home four Benjamins. Nice. $400 bills. God, that was a worthwhile day. Definitely. However, the last two dogs were two toy poodles that I've groomed a few times, and they were so mad at I was almost in tears. Oh, no. First of all, we leave the legs, and we scissor the legs. I couldn't. I couldn't. I had to clip them down with a five blade. In fact, I had to clip down one of them with a seven blade on the legs. It was so badly mad. At, and the owner who I thought was the father of the owner and was just occasionally taking care of the dogs and happened to bring them in for me. Well, it turns out that the dogs are his dogs and they live with him, but his daughter just found the groomer, which was me. So I had to call him and give him a heads up. When I've been doing one kind of a groom and then circumstances dictate that I do a shave down, I always reach out to talk to, I learned this the hard way after losing a Cocker Spaniel customer. You, you've got to make every effort you can to contact the people and give them a heads up that you've had to make a decision to do a short short. Um, otherwise, they're going to expect one thing and find another thing, and that's an upset. Yeah. I called him. He admitted that... 
the matting might be really well first of all he admitted that he just occasionally brushes on them <laughs> brushes on them. i brush on them once in a while okay he was honest with me right yep he also by the end of the day admitted to me that the healthcare workers that come in to help his wife bathed the dogs and didn't comb them out and probably didn't use any kind of conditioner. And so that was probably the ultimate cause of this serious condition that brought me almost to tears. Well, he gave me $300 for doing the two toy poodle clip downs. And that was wonderful. And I told him that we either needed to keep them shorter or we needed to do them more often. And he said, well, just tell me what to do. And I said, well, can you do four weeks every four weeks? They've been coming every eight to 10 weeks. He said, I said, can you do them every four weeks? And he said, four weeks, three weeks, whatever works for you. And my mind immediately said, three weeks? Let's do three weeks. And maybe we can do a brush out on one session and a total groom on the next. He went for it. Just boom. Ah, I love it. Part of the reason why he went for it was because I took so much time to do his dogs well. I mean, yes, I had to do short. I mean, I wet clipped one of them, but it wasn't so short that it was ugly and horrible. We're still fuzzy, you know, mm -hmm. and I was able to save head and ears and tails and so they still had their overall expression and look and because i was willing to do that and willing to spend five hours on his two dogs i got three hundred dollars three benjamins from him you never know what your client really is thinking unless you suggest something like the suggestion to come more often you know for most people that's like uh it's a financial thing and they're chewing on it and you kind of know that they don't really want to go every three weeks but they can manage every six weeks or something like this in this case you didn't know either way you threw it out there and they bit and now you've got more income coming and an easier groom so that's awesome I told him, I said, you, you know, you just have chosen to have a style that surpasses your ability to maintain the coat. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know, like, so, I, yeah. So, I mean, I didn't blame him for not brushing them out. I didn't blame him for the, for the matting. I just said, you know, this style that you love requires more homework than you can be expected to know. Not only is he doing them every three weeks, he wanted to know what kind of a comb, what kind of a brush. I sent him my five tips for a better brush out. And by the way, I posted a link to my Dropbox for the five tips for a better brush out because this is a handout that people can use to give to their customers if you'd like to, you know, have at it. Very helpful. That was good. So those are two or three good things that happened to me this week. Nice. I love it. Yep. It's good to get money in your pocket. Yeah. We do this because we love it and we want to work our lives around their animals. But in but reality... To get the money. Yeah. To come home with good money. I only drank half a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's take a quick break. And then we're going to answer some more Facebook questions. 
Let me tell you about Best Shot's newest addition to the Ultramax Pro line. Ultramax Hair Hold is a flexible hairspray that can be layered on for a stronger hold. Ultramax Hair Hold Spray is great, but my favorite new product is called the Max, and I won't groom without it. It's a fragrance-free, ultra-concentrate conditioner and detangler. It reduces drying time and handles undercoat and tangles like magic. Just a few drops in the final rinse or spray it on and dry it in. Contact your favorite Best Shot distributor or learn more online at bestshotpet.com. Grooming success begins with Best Shot in your tub. Made from the best stuff on earth. Ready, groomers? Here comes our first appointment. Oh, hey, I got a package in the mail. I've been getting packages in the mail all the time now. Gosh, I feel so special. I got a package in the mail from Best Shot that included the original Plenish shampoo, conditioner, and spray. I guess Dave wasn't happy about me always saying Tramax line, Ultramax line. He wanted me to remember that the original line is really good also. So I've been using that this week and I love it. It's a great product. And if it was the only one I knew about, I would absolutely choose it over other things. So don't forget about the original three-step line. Plus they got some really nice new labels done. Yeah, I noticed that the labels are different. Isn't this a kind of an, the new original line? Probably, yeah. Because I, I haven't gotten my box yet, but he told me there was something on the way. And because I'm not all at the shop every day, sometimes I miss my delivery. That might be so. But I think these are kind of new issue. Okay. We'll find out. Good. Uh, when I get mine. Yeah. yeah. New issue. I'm excited. Old smell. I like it. I really like the so-called dirty wash plenish spray that you can use it as a coat spray you can use it as a leave-in conditioner you can use it as a detangler and it 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 really works it works very well with the pinello comb the poodles that i worked on they had both had very matted ears i mean big clumpers and i wet those mats down and then use the Pinello brush. The Pinello can be used on wet hair because it's apparently isn't going to stretch the hair enough to weaken it or break it. So I use the Pinello brush with the hair nice and damp on the mat and it just, it just came out. I mean, it took a little while, but it wasn't painful. The dogs didn't scream. There wasn't any, you know, it just was able to work it out. It, the stuff really works. Yes. I, I, he was, he was right to remind me if you're looking for something to get just a, every dog cleaning and conditioning, I do recommend that first three. Yeah. Step and if you're doing de-shedding, yeah. you know, the best shot, the best shot three, product system really works the best for de-shedding. We can test other products. We can we can like other products. But to do the whole job, the whole picture, that three-part system works the best of anything I've ever used. And it never adds drying time. It uses a little more water and washing time, but it never adds drying time. And I really appreciate that. Well, that's because of the silicone base. Excuse me, people, silicone is our friend. 
It sure is. <laughs> and if you want to condition and not add add drying time, you use a silicone-based product, period, drop comb. Comb drop. <laughs> there we go. Okay, Barbara, let's do this. I in... do my own sound effects. Yes. <laughs> it's not as fun for me when you do your own sound effects, though. I'd just like you to know that. <laughs> but more fun for me. Yes. <laughs> okay. Here we moving go. Along. Yes, moving along. We had a, it's been a little while because I can't find it now. Where did it go? Hang on. We had a question. Yes, we have two uh, more from questions. From our Facebook group. Indeed. Oh, here we go. I found it. It's from Christy Chodo. And she says, I had an odd experience bathing a dog last week. The end result was a dog that smelled of perm solution. And if you guys don't remember the 80s, which I'm sure a lot of you don't, perm solution was really prevalent in the room <laughs> in our college because there was a lot of perms going on. The products she used were Chris Christensen Spectrum 10 and iGroom Squalane Conditioner. The Spectrum 10 is her normal shampoo. I usually use coat handler on the dog, but discovered there was not much left, and I applied a tiny amount of the coat handler, then applied the squalene. Any ideas what would have produced that odor? Well, you know, we can't really know for sure, but I would say maybe the two preservative systems weren't playing together very well. And I think that an ammonia smell emanating from mixed products is not a good sign um, because you can be not only getting odor, but you might be creating nitrosating toxic byproduct in your solution. So I would not repeat that combination because there's something that's incompatible in there. There's something that's reacting with something right else and forming something else and if it smells like ammonia it's likely to be nitrosating also it within the solution so don't go there <laughs> again you're not going to kill a pet with a one-time thing of like that happening but if that's happening every time you groom a, a certain dog you wouldn't and i would change up your products product combinations uh, and try to get past that I used to love mixing shampoos together before I was educated. This is one of the things I've changed in my longer years of grooming. First of all, they make products so specifically formulated today to do the job that they're listing on the label that I don't feel the need to throw a bluing in. I'll just use a shampoo that has a brightener in it instead of mixing a shampoo I like with then somebody else's little bit of brightening shampoo to try to make it grow. I don't mix anything, rarely mix anything. The only thing I do mix is I'll put yeah. the max into things. The ma I'll put the max into things too. That's, yep. uh, that's about what I do. I also, I, even though I consider myself a bartender bather, I don't mix the shampoos uh, unless I really know the ingredients and I'm clear that they're very similar and they're, especially their preservative systems. I do sometimes use a shampoo from one company and a conditioner from another company. But there again, I'm only using products from companies where the ingredients have been 
disclosed to me. And there's one preservative system that is particularly likely to create a, a, a nitrogen reaction, and that's the 2-nitro-2-bromo, da-da-da-da-da-da. Don't ask me to... What the da-da-da-da's are? <laughs> yeah, what the da da <laughs> I could have looked this up ahead of time, but I didn't, so you just have to bear with me. And it's a formaldehyde-releasing, rarely used preservative system, but it's there. Two nitro, two bromo. Nitro is nitrogen. So there again, you already know there's two nitrogens that are available in there for something to happen. Stick within your product line of one shampoo company as well. I know because I know Best Shot plays with it itself pretty well. You can go to right yeah. anything within Best Shot. I also know that the hypo conditioner from show season plays pretty well with best shot because I use those two in combination occasionally and uh, although I'm with you stick with your product line stay with one manufacturer and maybe even within one of their already sorted out groupings of stuff I cheat on that for example lately we've been using show season truly tearless and Stasco we love the Stasco oatmeal apple scented conditioner me too and it's very light and yes. it has silicone in it so it doesn't add drying time but it seems to go really well with the truly tearless unless i had a hypoallergenic dog and then i probably wouldn't use the oatmeal but but i mean a highly allergenic dog but i we love that conditioner and we happen to love True Tearless is my favorite no sulfate shampoo, okay? It's also my favorite hypo shampoo. It's also my favorite tearless shampoo. So you see, I use it a lot. <laughs> we will combine it with, if you want to go totally hypo, you use the show season hypoallergenic conditioner, but you might want something else and it does seem to play well with other products and never smells bad if you get an ammonia smelling a foul smell that you think is caused by your products and not by the dog there was a conversation of like sometimes i think it's just the dog well probably not probably something's not playing well with others that's my hypothesis. I'm going with it. Okay, next question, next question. is... Next question. Yes, is. moving along. On topic of customer service, of which Barbara is an expert on, how do you approach the your dog bit me conversation? I feel like a failure. I have been working with this Cocker Spaniel since a pup. Just turning one has always had issues. Thought we were making headway and he nailed me. Puncture wound to my forearm. Well, you have to be careful because I learned this the hard way. If you're not diplomatic about how you approach this subject, the customer is likely to think that you did something that made their precious angel bite you. And Ow! <laughs> <laughs> okay, carry on. 
the way to do it, you have to do this. You have to approach this in a very, I love your pet and it bit me kind of thing. You know, sometimes you can be humorous about it. Depends on the severity of the bite. You do want to tell the customers when their dogs are mouthy and nippy. For sure. Because the chances are, as they age, that's going to escalate. And they can become, from being nippy, they can become chompy. There's a whole big difference between a nip and a chomp, right? Right. And if you get nailed and it's a deep puncture wound, you're going to want to let them know that, you know, I need to tell you that (laughs) Muffy muffed me. (laughs) (laughs) Go for humor? It depends on your customer. You you know, you probably know customers that you can joke around with, customers that you can be direct with. And then you'll have some customers that you have so much inner conversation of their own. You have to be really careful of how you inject the fact that their pet bit you. You can explain the circumstances of the bite you know, you need to know, was there something that you did? You need to know. You need to look at what was I doing and what was the dog doing when I got nailed? Because there's such a big difference between getting nailed. I sometimes I can see it coming. I can say, you know, he's getting more serious in his attempts to stop me from grooming where he doesn't like it. He's starting to be more than just mouthing me, but he's pressing down and he's getting, he's starting to get more serious. And, or you can say, we had a serious mouth contact today, mouth to arm (laughs) contact today. Hi, come on in. Hi, my name is Susie and I'm a master groomer behavior specialist. And I am going to talk to you a little bit about being bit by a dog, just a little bit. I feel strongly that having the dog somehow connected to something on the front end so that they can't be bad, in other words, setting them up for success, if you know the dog is reactive. And obviously, you've been working with this dog for a little while, and I'm not blaming you in any way, shape, or form for being bit. What I want to do is protect you from being bit again. There are tools out there that you can use that will keep the dog's head from being able to make it all the way around to get you. And then you also have to be aware of where the dog can reach you and where they can't. So invest in perhaps a groomer's helper or if you're using an over-the-table support system as opposed to a grooming arm or if you have an adapter, you can attach the the metal ring on the grooming loop to the front post. And that way, if your dog is reactive, it doesn't make a connection with yourself. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because I've not been bit ever yet. I've been bit by a cat, but I was helping in a vet hospital. I use light restraint so the dog can turn and look at me but not a free head. So the dog can't come and get me when I'm doing something that it may or may not react to. Okay, that's it. I'm out the door. See you later. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Susie. Yeah, we appreciate your expert uh, advice and we acknowledge that you've um, 
been through the course for difficult dog work. So you really know what you're talking about. And I, I agree. I think everything that happens on the table is a two-way street. And of course, what the dog brings to the table counts just as much as what you bring to the table. But you need to know, sometimes you're bringing uh, stress to the table. Maybe it, maybe it happened on the dog before. Maybe it happened with a coworker. Maybe it happened with the boss. Maybe it happened with your significant other at home that day. Maybe you just are tired and can't tune in as well. But I do figure that it's a two-way dance on that table. It's not always just the dog's fault. You need to examine your own energy. You need to examine if you miscommunicated with the dog. And you need to examine if you didn't let up when they warned you. And there's sometimes we had to we had to stop trying to do somebody's toenails the other day and it was a small dog and it was just like stressing I, I mean it was just like going nuts I just had to say I don't want this dog to blow a fuse on my table and so we we stopped later on we kind of tried a little bit more you know in a from from a very gentle, I'm not really doing this while I'm doing this way of working on the nails with, with maybe a, a little quiet Dremel. You know, we explored some different possibilities. And some dogs are just going to be mean about their grooming. And it might have something to do with previous experiences. And it might just have something to do with their breeding. And we all know... Carriers are much more likely to uh, bite you than our, you know. I think the why is really important. The why did this dog trigger is a basic part of how you get to the bottom of it is what were you doing? Maybe it's the way you hold. Maybe it's your projection. Maybe it's the previous experience. But if you look into the why, you can help solve the problem a little bit easier. So. I want to mention that you should always have available grooming loops that have rings attached to the front of them. You don't necessarily have to use that for every dog in every situation, but you need to have that kind of grooming loop available. So when you get a dog that's gonna, gonna use its mouth, that you can hook it up to your grooming pole in such a way that the head doesn't move around as much. And Curtis sent me, when he sent me my new Bathing Beauty, he sent me a pair of new grooming nooses that are kind of vinyl rubber, but flat, not the rounded kind. They've got the best clasp and a plug that you put over the clasp that holds the clasp in place. It doesn't have a secured ring. It has a movable ring, which gives the head some room to move. So it doesn't uh, like hold it totally still like the groomer's helper is going to. I like that kind of a loop too. I have found out that when you have a fixed ring at the end of your grooming loop, the dog is more likely to be able to pull its head out by tucking its chin in or whatever trick they do. But I love these new uh, grooming loops that Curtis sent me, and I'm going to be finding out more about them for us. Neat. 
Okay, one more commercial or two, and then we'll roll on. Chris Bear Anthony visiting the groom pod again. Okay, so you know I love my Evolution Swivel Shears. And you even know that these customizable shears come in non-swivel as well. But did you know that they're the only ones I've been trusting my sharpening with for around 15 years? And that that's how we met? What? You haven't tried their sharpening yet? If so, send in your next batch of sharpening and you'll get one shear sharpened for free with a $75 order just for telling them where you heard about them. Your shears and blades will thank you. Sometimes my clients don't like a walking air freshener. When these crazy people request a scent-free option, I go right to show season. I think that everybody should have show season True Tearless Shampoo and Show Season Hypo Conditioner on hand. Show Season has formulated True Tearless Shampoo with alternative surfactants that are less irritating but still clean very well. And the Hypo Conditioner is one of the best fragrance-free conditioners in the market. And if you guys would like to find some Show Season True Tearless or Hypo Conditioner, go to showseasongrooming.com. Groomers, take your seats. It's time for Bee Bird's Classroom. Nicks and cuts and razor burns. Yeah. So yesterday, for the first time in over a year, I was working on two dogs that came in so mad that they had to have smoothie seven blade clips. Seven blade and in some places I had to use a ten blade to get underneath what all was going on the legs. So tightly mad. One was a Shih Tzu and one was a, I don't know, some kind of a terrier poodle mix. Uh, so it's using my seven blade to cut these dogs down. I'm thinking, and the Shih Tzu was just like dancing around and wouldn't keep two feet on the ground or much less four feet on the ground at any one time. And we actually had to do a lot of work on that dog, Yvonne and I together to avoid accident happening. And it reminded me of why we don't use a seven blade on dogs like that. It's really safer. If you don't have someone to hold you, you have to see what you're clipping. Don't ever, and I do it, don't ever, Clip where you're not looking, like the especially don't clip the, the belly area without being able to see what you're doing. Because if you're clipping blind, you're more likely to, to clip at a poor angle and cut the dog's skin. Because it's true, it's fact, that the dog's skin is thinner and more fragile on the inner thigh area and belly, in, in lower belly area and the armpit area. And then there's the flaps. There's where the arm skin from the arm connects to the shoulder or to the front. Right. And there's where the flank connects to the, the back leg to the side of the dog. So 
what to do in the flank area. One thing to do when you're clipping on the outside of the flank is to hold that flap or that little skin that goes from the body to the leg, hold it firm with the inside, with your hand on the inside of it. So then you're flattening the surface. Anytime you make the skin more taut, you're less likely to jab it with your clipper. Or drag a mat up through the opening of the seven blade and then cut the skin that way, because I've seen that too. I've seen that. I know of a groomer who just went from place to place cutting dogs with seven blades. That person should have, well, they should have been run out of dodge, but should never have been allowed to use a seven blade. But you can even cut with a 10 blade if you're not watching where the teeth are going in relation to the skin. And you can catch skin in between the teeth of the blades. The worst ones used to be the skip tooth. Oh, yeah. Geez, those were dangerous. That's where the word, the 7F came about. It was seven fine teeth. But it used to be that you would have a long blade and then a little short little short needle in between. A little weapon. And a, <laughs> a little bayonet weapon. right in the middle. <laughs> and what those blades left was a nice textured look for terriers. And they would sometimes get underneath things that the 7F couldn't get underneath. But boy, they could butcher a dog. And um, the other thing that will cause a clipper abrasion, so you can have blades that are too sharp and blades that aren't sharp enough, right? Yeah. And you can have cutter blades that are in the wrong spot that cause problems too. You mean the, the blade that is moving back and forth? Yeah, when it's not aligned properly. Yeah. So there again, it's maintenance. It's looking at your blades. It's taking care of them. And uh, by the way, I bought a few of the Chernbau blades. I used the seven blade yesterday to on both of these clip downs of these highly matted dogs. And I loved it. Good. I loved my new Schoenbau 7 blade. It didn't heat up as fast. It heated up less fast than my old Andis ceramic. I was really impressed. The blade didn't heat up as fast. It was smooth. It was silent. It's only a matter of my learning how long they last. But... I've had to ditch a, a bunch of blades that accidentally got rusty. So I have new blades, and I decided I would try out these Schoenbaus, and I really like them. I wish they had an eight and a half. I need a new eight and a half, and I don't want to spend a lot of money because I've just got one poodle where I need to use the eight and a half on the uh, face. Eight and a halves can be good on the tummy area if you ever ever have had a dog that you've accidentally nicked or cut in the tent or had a clipper abrasion, which is like a clipper scrape. That's what happens when you have them too sharp or too dull. Okay. They can just actually abrade the skin. And what we need to know is that not only does that cause a problem in itself, an abrasion, but 
if shampoo gets on that, it can cause a shampoo irritation. And so you can have double effect. And then the next thing you know, you didn't know you did anything, but the dog goes home, lays on its back, licks its tummy. And the people say, oh, look at that horrible mess that the groomer did. And it's all red and icky. Right. So the blades, I think, are made in virtually two different spots and they just put different names on them so your blades are either made in the united states or made out of the united states kind of thing it's worth trying some of these more inexpensive blades i think well you know a lot of our metal tools blades combs are made in china they're made in china they're made in the philippines you do find some metalwork in Germany because they used to excel. And then we discovered the the edges of, what do you call it? Oh, God damn my mind. Convex <laughs> <laughs> like, blades. There we go. Thank you, brain. Little late. So we discovered the value of really sharp, convex blades and the demand for German metalwork kind of was greatly reduced because these Japanese style blades work so well. Well, it's called Japanese, but you know, really they're made in China. <laughs> so who knows? What do you do if you find a nick and a cut and an abrasion? Do you tell the owner? I do. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, the worst thing is when you don't tell the owner or you try to hide it from your manager and then the person sends the dog home and the you know it's got an injury that was unreported if you own your injuries you're going to have much better customer relations than if you fail to so you know it's always good business that when you send a dog home for somebody to look at the tummy just take a look. Are we still okay back there? Also, if you do create an owie of any kind, I always call the next day and check in on them. People really appreciate it. It just they oh, do. Yeah, right. It, it's a little thing, Excellent. but it has a huge impression. And just to pass along one more really important tidbit that Barbara Bird gave me many moons ago. If you think you're going to have a razor burn problem or you have a razor burn problem, gold bond powder in the travel size. Just have a few of them on hand, send it home with the owners, tell them where to put it. And especially if it's like on the bum or as Barbara likes to say, the asshole. <laughs> I'm the sorry, I can't say it without giggling. <laughs> Asshole? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. I'm 12. What can I say? Anyway, if, they, if they're if they rubbing their bum or whatever, the, the gold bond really helps. The medicated. Get all the hole in its ass. Yes. <laughs> That's the spot. I sometimes used to call it the rosebud. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's like way too nice. I, yeah. I always dress you know, it up somehow. The last clipper nick that I did was on the rectum. I just owned it. It was so hard to own. And I had to say, we had a little grooming accident. <laughs> and their <laughs> eyes go out. 
I nicked her bum. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just say, and if they don't get it, I say rectum. If they don't get it, say asshole. You know? <laughs> they, they think they're, you're calling them an asshole because they didn't know what a rectum was. I don't always use the technical terms. Right. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. But uh, it just, there again, depends on whom I'm talking to. If you get to know your clients, you can adjust your conversation to suit their style. If you don't get to know your clients, it's just a... It's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. <laughs> so, Sorry. So, okay, uh, I think yeah, we've deteriorated into bad jokes now. <laughs> Thank just you, Just because you're uncomfortable with the term asshole. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, rein it in. <gasps> Okay, anything you want to add about the whole uh, nicking and cutting and razor burning part? I think we're good. Gold Bond is my go-to. And those little travel things, you get them for a dollar at Target. They're probably a dollar twenty-nine now because the dollar store's a dollar twenty-nine now. (laughs) But it's worth it. It is so, I mean, for your expense, that's nothing to save a customer. You know, and when you send them home with them, it's even good for if you've had a little clipper burn on their feet, poodle feet, or you've done the pads of the feet and you nick the pad in there. I've done that. Oh, me too. You know, sometimes it is the dog's skin is not, doesn't have a very good uh, solid barrier function going on there, you know, on the inside of the pads. So, whoops. There's a boo-boo. Throw that gold bond on there. We made a little boo-boo on its foot today. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever works. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I guess that's it. Do we have anything else? I I think we're good. Thanks for being here, everybody. We really appreciate it. We have an interview coming up with Helen Schaefer in a couple weeks, so look forward to that. Also... Barbara's webinar is available on positiveed.com. If you want to catch that, it's recorded for three weeks, so you can uh, pay the price and watch all of the fantastic speakers that are speaking. Yeah, it's a whole summit. I'm just one of a, of a family there, and uh, there's a lot of good material besides mine, and it is my new webinar on pet product safety. Okay, happy grooming, everybody. See you next week on the Groom Pod. Bye now. Take care of yourselves. We love you.